You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into a Tuesday edition of Crunch Time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros, the Dallas Cowboys. Love them or hate them. Found a way to make Saints fans happy last night. As they took out Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 31 to 14 inside Raymond James Stadium in a game that was never close. Ever. Not even when it was 0 0. The game wasn't close. Techni- technically, it was, but it. Well, well, to be fair. I think that game was over before it even started. Well, to be fair. By the way, how you doing, Matt? Hello, James. I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. Uh, but looking at the game last night. Overall, I mean, after the first touchdown, the Bucks did have a really good opportunity, and they were in the red zone to score. But then Brady threw an uncharacteristic red zone interception. That was his first red zone interception as a Buck. Yeah. It was his first red zone interception as a Buck. Do you remember the last time he had thrown a red zone interception? Oh, God. I think it goes back to 2019 it was 2018. His, it was his final pass with New England. In the playoffs against Tennessee, he threw that pick in the end zone that sealed Tennessee winning the game and going to the AFC title game. Yeah, they were at their own three-yard line. Correct. That doesn't count as a red zone pick six. No, not red zone pick six. Or red, a red zone, zone pick. That doesn't. Red, they, red zones when I, I I know what the red zone is, James. I am aware. Anyways. Last night's game, you you look at it and it, it was just never really close. Yeah, Tampa Bay started off, you know, getting the ball inside the red zone, which is great. But then after that, their offense did absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And Dak Prescott and, and the Cowboys played one of their best games maybe of the season. That that very well may have been one of their best games of the entire season. Uh, Dak Prescott was very decisive with the football. He made great decisions all night long. Found his receivers, gave it to his running backs when he needed to, Tony Pollard made some big plays, getting 77 yards on the ground. And how about Dalton Schultz coming up big yet again? Dak Prescott going 25 of 33 for 305 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Tom Brady throws the ball 66 times in the contest for 351 yards, the two touchdowns, and then the interception in the red zone. But the story of this game was not one, not two, not even three, but four missed PATs by Cowboys kicker Brett Mayer. 
I I have no words. How do you miss four PATs in a game? Interesting tidbit. Brett Mayer now holds two records in the NFL. He's the first player ever to have three or more makes from beyond 60 yards in his career. And he is now the first player ever to miss three-plus PATs in a playoff game. It's never happened. It's never been done. And then the tenacity of the man late in the game when it's a fourth down trots out on the field to go kick the field goal. And Mike McCarthy looked over at him like, don't you dare leave this sideline. What, what, are, you, what are you doing? No, we're going for it. And clearly it worked out because what an absolutely busted play by Tampa to, to get that second touchdown. Um, and then, you know, Dak runs it in on a fourth and goal play in the second quarter that was just very well designed. Uh, you know, you, you really thought that the Cowboys should take the three points there. But again, you know, the, the fake handoff to the running back and that, that naked bootleg. And I mean, Dak walked into the end zone. It was, it was very impressive. Again, the Cowboys winning 31 to 14. The big question now is regarding the career of Tom Brady. Once again, is he done? Is he done in Tampa Bay? If he does return to football next year, where does he play? There, there's a ton of questions. Uh, Brady says that he will take some time to evaluate his options and evaluate his future and make a decision from there. Uh, we, we've heard this before. He retired and it lasted all but three weeks, a month. So interested to, to see what he will do. There's obviously plenty of teams in the NFL that need a quarterback next year, uh, the New Orleans Saints being one of them. So, you know, where does... Obviously, they've linked him to the Raiders with his relationship with Josh McDaniels. They've linked him to the Niners because of his childhood affiliation with the Niners. Uh, maybe there's a reunion in New England with Bill Belichick. There, there's a ton of different options if, if you're Tom Brady on where you can go. Sean Payton. Where does Sean Payton go? That could affect where, where Tom plays. There, there's plenty of factors here if he even returns in 2023. But the game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Speaking of the Sean Payton sweepstakes, we will bring in Alex Clancy, the host of the Locked On Arizona Cardinals at 530. We will talk about, you know, what draws Sean Payton to the Cardinals? What can the Cardinals provide the Saints? This, that, and the other. Uh, and then at 4.30, Jay Walker will join us as he does each and every week for Cajun's Corner. We'll break down the Cajun men's four-game win streak, and we'll talk baseball and softball as well as the seasons are about three weeks away from getting started. Your poll question of the day, where do you think Lamar Jackson plays in 2023? Does he play with the does he return to the Ravens? Does he play with the Jets? 
Does he come down to New Orleans and play with the Saints? Or could you see him going somewhere else? Uh, so far, 62.5% say he stays with the Ravens. 25% say he goes other. And then 12.5% say they could see him suiting up for the Jets in 2023. Let's go to the game hotline now. Martin, what's going on, bud? Oh, my nerves are a little bit calmer today. I'm enjoying a little victory, if that's what you want to call it. Now, uh, I know we got a tough test against uh, coming up for us, you know, in San Francisco now. I know all the national media, they're going to act like San Francisco is not beatable. They're going to pick San Fran to win. But here's my, my, my reaction to them. Who has San Francisco played? since Brock Purdy has took over as quarterback. Absolutely nobody. This is going to be the best defense that Brock Purdy has played since he he began whatever you want to call it in the NFL career. You know, I think these two teams are very, very, very evenly matched. I mean, San Fran on defense, they got, you know, Bosa, I mean, and Dallas, they got, you know, Michael Parsons, you know. It's very even. And let, let it be known, I cannot stand the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know what it is about them. I just do not like them. I'm just like Footsie, Jesus, okay? And if I had to hear Steve Young on the pregame one more time talk about how Tom Brady has as much playoff victories as the Dallas Cowboys has in all of their, uh, their franchise in, in, in playoffs, I almost reached through that TV and slapped the man. You know, I, I get it. I, I understand that the man doesn't like the Cowboys. That's fine. But now maybe hopefully him and his little boy boy crush, Tom Brady, can go ride off into the sunset and we never have to see folks, uh, Tom Brady Martin, again. Martin, Martin, but, Martin, 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 Martin. Let me ask you this. You, you said Brock Purdy hasn't played against a good defense since he came in, correct? Yeah, not okay. really. Who has so, he played since he's since he, he, and and, and – yeah, I don't know. I've seen in that first half that San Francisco is a very beatable team in that first half. Miami? You know, they just didn't have what it took to, to keep up with them. You don't, you know? you don't think Miami's got a good defense? I mean, they, I mean, they decent, but Miami and Dallas, who, who's got the better defense? Well, but, but let me ask you, you know? this. But let me ask you this. I'll, I'll, spin, I'll, I'll spin your question around on you. Have the Dallas Cowboys faced an offense like the Niners? No. No, not really. I mean, the Eagles would be the closest thing. You know, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia. We played them the first, the uh, the first go around. Jalen Hurts played, so yeah, I'd say Philadelphia. And Philadelphia got a NFL caliber quarterback. Brown Purdy has proved nothing to me. He is not an NFL caliber quarterback. I'm sorry, but he ain't proved nothing to me. What what more? What more do you want the guy to do? You know, I mean, continue to be constant, consistent. You know, he has proved nothing to me. Nothing. He's Mr. Irrelevant, you know, beat a good team. You know, and Seattle is not a good team. They're one of those teams that they just snuck in there, just like Tampa Bay. That's why they lost uh, uh, this past weekend, you know? I appreciate now, the call, Martin. We got to let you run, man. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Look, 
since he stepped in full-time against the Dolphins on December the 4th, Brock Purdy has completed 67% of his passes for 1,374 yards, 13 touchdowns, and only four interceptions. Technically only three since he took took over in that Miami game. He's only thrown three. And he has a QBR of 107.3. What more do you want the young man to do? And half of that was without Debo. Was without Elijah Mitchell. Was without a fully healthy George Kittle. Now everybody's back. You're firing on all cylinders in San Francisco. I mean, if you're the Cowboys, what's your game plan? You going to double Debo? So they beat you with McCaffrey. You're going to double Kittle? Like, go down the list. You can't double anybody on San Francisco. If you're Dallas, the best game plan is to stop the run game and dare Brock Purdy to beat you. Which, against... Dallas's very suspect secondary, I think he could. So look, Dallas looked great last night, great win, taking out Tom Brady, all that good stuff. But you haven't played anybody like the San Francisco 49ers yet. The Eagles would be the closest one. You ask me right now, I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. I just do. They have shown nothing that tells me that the Cowboys find a way to beat them. I haven't seen a major hiccup in in the Niners. I just haven't. You know, they started off a little slow against Seattle. You, You could rule that a hiccup. But other than that, I mean, what you saw in the second half was just total domination. So again, congrats to the Cowboys for getting a playoff win. First road playoff game in 30 years. But San Francisco is going to be a totally different monster. If you need help taking your lady out for Valentine's Day, the help you need can be found inside the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Score a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can score these great gifts to help you with Valentine's Day by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. We'll take a timeout and we return here from Pelicans head coach Willie Green on the loss to the Cavs yesterday, as well as we will talk some Cajuns basketball as well right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
421 here on your Tuesday. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Yesterday, following their 113 to 103 loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers, Willie Green met with the media and was asked, you know, what happened in, in the fourth quarter where the Pelicans just looked done. Uh, just ran out of gas, didn't make enough plays, and give them credit. They they started the fourth quarter with a lot of juice, 11-0 run. And um, like I told our guys in the locker room, our margin for error is small. So we can't allow teams to get on an 11-0 run by not rebounding the ball, by, you know, just unforced errors. Um, and so, you know, they, they did a good job of taking care of their home court, and that's an area in the fourth quarter where we can improve. Jonas Valanciunas having another big game, 22 points and 13 rebounds. He also had a block on the night. You know, you've seen a lot of defensive improvement out of JV, uh, especially in this expanded role where he's playing, you know, 35, 36 minutes a night uh, for the Pelicans due to, you know, the, the injuries of Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson not quite having as much of a big presence inside uh, you kind of have to depend on on Jonas a little bit more, and he's done an admirable job of being that guy for Willie Green. And following the following the game, Willie Green was asked, "What have you liked from Valanciunas defensively, especially late in games?" Well, with guys being out, number one, he he's a uh, force in the post. So when we could throw the ball down to JV, uh, he settles us down offensively. He can make plays from that position. He rebounds the ball. He can get to the free throw line. So a lot of good on the offensive end. Uh, defensively, I thought he was in the right places. Um, you know, we, we could have did better at contesting some of their shots in the paint. Um, that's usually one of our spots that we really look at, and we that's something we didn't do well tonight. So that's as a group. The Pelicans will look to bounce back tomorrow night when they host the Miami Heat inside the Smoothie King Center with a 7 o'clock tip-off in that one. Looking at the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns, Bob Marlin met with the media yesterday, and he offered his thoughts on a very close win on Saturday over South Alabama. Guys regrouped. We took off from Mobile Friday morning, had a a quick turnaround for a 3 o'clock tip, and we were sluggish to start the game. We didn't defend the way we needed to, gave them some confidence one of their players, Kevin Samuel, all-conference pick, did not play in the game. I think it affected us a little bit. We were prepared for him to play, and we adjusted right before the game. But uh, I think it, it probably led to part of our poor start. It shouldn't have, but I think just human nature tends to make that happen. Um, up 25-20, let them make three threes, get run on a run there. And, Maybe 18-3, they get ahead of us right there at the half. And I thought Greg Williams hit a big three-point shot at the end of the first half that we needed. Um, and then we came out to the second half and really defended them, did a good job, and were able to, to, to make enough shots and make enough stops to, to win the game on the road. When, when you look at this group, the, the storyline all season long has been you know, playing together and this being one of the closest groups that Bob Marlin maybe has ever had. Uh, the, the guys genuinely enjoy hanging out with each other, and, and team bonding has been huge. That, that's been the, 
the motto of this team. And Bob Marlin said yesterday that playing together and being together as a team has been key for this group. Just playing together. I mean, if you go back and look, last year we would we went six of eight to close, and then uh, you know went three and zero on a Puerto Rico trip, fourteen and four. Now we're, we're used to winning, and I think the more we play together, the more we've gotten accustomed. We've been fortunate; we've avoided injury so far, and we've been able to start the same lineup every game. And we talked about changing it. You know, waiting, waiting to see what would happen when Kobe came back. But we're playing, and everyone understands their roles. Uh, Themis has done a good job. You know, he's nationally ranked in assist. You know, Jordan scored the ball inside. Greg's played like an all-conference player that we knew he was. Really proud of him. You know, Joe's come on like we knew he, he could when we recruited him. He does so many things outside of scoring. When he gets you a dozen points, then that's just a bonus. But just from playing together. Lastly, when, when looking at the men's basketball team for the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, Joe Charles, a local product from Karen Crow, has really taken an a expanded role this season and has really done well, scoring a career-high 15 points against ULM the other night and having another double-digit game against South Alabama, uh, only missing one shot on the road trip. Uh, he talked about the play of his sophomore sixth man. Well, he made three-point shots uh, on this trip, and that's something that he hasn't been shooting the ball great from perimeter, but he's been working on it. That was a big plus. Uh, and just to see him shoot a high percentage, he's very effective uh, and scores in various ways. Had a running hook shot the other day at the end of the clock. It was a nice play, of course, still in the dunk. And he got several drop-offs from J.B., and the double, he's an excellent cutter. And Joe just, again, we knew when he was in high school, he had a great understanding of the game. And uh, he's healthy as he's been in several years, and he's playing like it. James, going back to the NFL real quick before we take a timeout, we talked about Brady, you know, does he retire, does he return? Another player that we kind of need to start looking at with that same question is Aaron Rodgers. What's next for, for Rodgers? Does he continue playing football somewhere other than Green Bay? Does he hang it up? You know, could, could this be the end of our generations of quarterbacks? It's definitely nearing the end. I don't know if we're going to necessarily say that it has come to an end. I think what you saw from Rodgers this year is very slow start, but that's because he didn't have Devontae Adams anymore that he really relied on the last few years. But he finally started to get it together with his new receivers that he was working with. Uh, I didn't I didn't really see – there was obviously a drop-off, but I didn't see there there was enough of one for you to kind of look at it like almost kind of like Peyton Manning in his last season where you're like, okay, you, you have to cut it loose. Like Aaron Rodgers can still play quarterback at a very high level. I don't think it's going to be with Green Bay after this season. After the way he approached Jamison Williams or – how, how he took how Jamison Williams talked to him, saying, like, hey, I, w- I want your jersey. He's like, not this time, kid. And whenever you're kind of looking into the sky and kind of looking blankly into the crowd, like how yeah. he did Turn. after that loss to the to the Lions, you're kind of like, all right, you're either retiring or you're just moving Leaving on to Green a different Bay. team right. because that's where you've been since 2005. So I don't think he's going to retire. I think he's still got juice left in that tank. I just think he goes play for a different team. Where do you, where do you see him going? I could always see it. It's it's the same thing with Tom Brady, where you could see 
depending on how this goes, you lean towards having him, you know, go back to LA. You you could see him going back to the 49ers. It's just interesting to see are you going to depending on how Brock Purdy plays in this next matchup versus the Cowboys and then if they beat the Cowboys, who they play between the Giants and Eagles, it's like however he plays the rest of the way in this playoffs, it's like the more he plays and the better he looks as we go deeper into the season. It kind of feels like do you necessarily need a veteran? Like do you need Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you need to bring in Aaron Rodgers if Brock Purdy's going to play this well? Do you really need it? So I, I kind of look towards maybe he goes, re- maybe he tries to mend things with Devontae Adams and goes, goes playing to Vegas and goes to Vegas. Interesting. I, I could see that. I could, actually. I could see it. It's like, look, dude, obviously we had the best connection with one another. You had a good connection with Derek Carr, but like, I'll go play with you in Vegas. Right. And Vegas, Vegas, Vegas is always looking for star and stars and names. Yep. Same thing with Cali. You need stars and names for you to be really relevant because. That's how it is in those big states and big cities in the West. You, you need those names for the team for your fans to go go watch your game. So what's what's a, what's more amazing than getting someone like Aaron Rodgers right. to go play quarterback? Now you, you you brought up Brock Purdy again. I, I just I just have to say this. I understand that he's he's a rookie and and he's new and this that and the other. In the seven eight games that he has played, I have seen nothing that shows me. That he does not belong. Now, am I claiming to be some quarterback guru that you know can pinpoint little intricacies about a quarterback's game? No, no. But he's passed your eye test. Correct. From what I have seen from Brock Purdy, he could be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year and belong. I, I just I, I have no doubts about him yet. Now, could he go stink up the joint on Sunday against Dallas? Absolutely. And and then you know maybe things change, but from what I've seen thus far, if I'm the San Francisco 49ers, I'm not re-signing Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm putting Trey Lance on the trade market. Brock Purdy's your guy. Go get a vet to to back him to up. back him up just in case he does thing up the joint. Then you have somebody. Like I I, I still think unless Brock Jameis Purdy, Winston. I was just gonna say bring back Jimmy one more time. Or bring back Jimmy if, if, if he's if Jimmy's willing if to you, concede. Yeah, if if Jimmy's willing to be your backup guy, I say yep. bring back Jimmy for another year and kind of just rock with Brock. Yep. Hey, I like that rock with Brock. Mm-hmm. That that could be a catchphrase for the Niners. We'll take a time out. We return. Jay Walker joins us for Cajuns Corner right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay Walker, how are you, sir? I'm just lovely. Just absolutely lovely. As you as you should be. Um, so, you know, let's start with men's basketball winning four straight now, two of them on the road. Uh, we'll start with the game against ULM from Thursday night. Jay, this was a game where five minutes in, it was 21 to four. Yeah, it was over early. Um, and the Cajuns, I think at one time led by 24. They just got off to a sizzling start. They hit eight of their first nine shots. They turned ULM over a few times. 
and uh, and turn those into baskets. And yeah, it, it didn't take long before it was a lot to a little. And it stayed that way until about the four-minute mark. Uh, ULM got it into single digits, but, the, you know, the Cajuns were never in danger of losing that game. And um, you get off to a start like that, chances are you're going to win. And, and then you turned around on Saturday after bussing down to Mobile. You started off a little sluggish. You were down seven at halftime, but but you roared back in the second half, outscoring by 10 in, in the second frame to get a 79-76 to 76 win over a team that, we've always talked about as being fairly talented and they're and they're talented again um it was a you know that was a good win because they were on the cajuns were on the wrong side of an 18 to 3 run in the first half they had a five-point lead and then before you know it they were down 10 and greg williams hit a big shot just before the buzzer to get it into single digits and then the then the cajuns i i really think i really think squeezed south alabama on the defensive end and uh they were able to, to go ahead and uh, and hold them to, to to one shot and then come down and, and make enough plays on the other end uh, to win the game. That you know that's a very satisfying win. And Mitchell Center is not an easy place to play, and South Alabama's got some talent. So to go in there and get that one, that, that's a pretty good W right there. Now, Jay, I, I hope you have the the Willie Nelson Classic on, on the road again, loaded up on your on your phone because right back out on the road tomorrow going up to, to Jonesboro, Arkansas, to take on the Red Wolves of Arkansas State, and then oddly traveling down to San Marcos to take on the Bobcats when you know, you're, you're so used to going up to Arkansas to play two games, but now with Little Rock not being in the Sun Belt anymore, the, the, the travel partners kind of got screwed up a little bit. No, they got screwed up a lot. Because uh, <laughs> uh, UTA is gone too. And um, that was the one downside of those two schools. Uh, leaving, but yeah, they're going on the road again. I, you know, I, I sat down today and was just looking in the last month. Okay, I've been to Austin, to Shreveport, to Myrtle Beach, to Norfolk, to Lubbock, to uh, Monroe, and to Mobile. All in the uh, you know, it's, it, I, I want to say it's something like seventeen or eighteen nights on the road, and. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of ready to be home for a while, and uh, starting next week I will be. Yeah, four straight games coming in the confines of the Cajun Dome very soon. You know, looking at this team, the the, the motto all season long, Jay, has been the togetherness of this team, and you know it's really starting to look like it it's paying off for them. Fourteen and four, tied for first in the conference. Getting down to this stretch right here in late January, early February, where you're going to play Texas State in in twice in a two week span, Georgia Southern, Marshall, Troy, you know, how big is that camaraderie and bonding going to come into play down this stretch? I, you know, Tony was right, you know, and and he said it many many times. Chemistry will make a great team average or an average team great, and. The Cajuns, I think, right now are able to play to their maximum ability because this team is so together. And, you know, now we've traveled uh, a lot this year. I mean, we have, you know, the, 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 the schedule was front-loaded with, uh, with road games. Um, and I'm traveling with the team. You know, if they're busing, I'm on the bus. If they're on a plane, I'm on the plane. If, you know, whatever. And I got to tell you something. In 31 years of doing this, I have never seen 
a Cajun basketball team as together as this team is. It's it's been an absolute pleasure. And honestly, I don't use the term very often, but it's been an honor to cover them. Um, they're they're wonderful guys. Uh, they they take a great deal of pleasure in each other's accomplishments, and um, they're they're just not the egos here. You know, they're they're they want to win, and they don't care how. They just want to win. Chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajuns Corner, looking at the conference. Jay, you know, Southern Miss. 15 and 4, Marshall 15 and 4, the Cajuns are 14 and 4, Troy's 12 and 7, but you have six teams tied for first place in the Sun Belt at 4 and 2. You know, the the conference might be even better than we had talked about during the preseason. Well, I I I'm I'm not going to say better. I I will say more balanced. Um you know, there are, you know, you know which uh, Tim Floyd, uh, the the coach at uh, at UNO and a lot of other places, said, you know, rather than look at the standings, what you do is you look at where they play, and every time you get a road win, that's plus one. Every time you take a home loss, that's minus one, and everything else is a zero. And so, if you do that right now, you're going to find out that Marshall has had five of their first six at home. they got a bunch of road games coming up down there. Now, I think they'll be able to handle it because you could make a case for them being maybe the best team in the league. But um, the teams that have played a lot on the road are going to have a chance to get something done over the next couple, three weeks uh, because you're going to start playing an inordinate amount of home games because you've already played your road schedule. So the teams that have a lot of uh, home games coming up, they're sitting there at four and two. I think have a little bit uh, of an advantage. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that they're never going to lose a home game. I mean, the Cajun Dome's been open since 1986, and the Cajuns have never had an undefeated season in the Cajun Dome. But, um, but you know, you'd rather play at home than play on the road. And so I think that that's going to be one of the things that you're going to get separation eventually. But you also are the only conference in America where everybody's got at least two losses. Jay, you know, with 18 with with 18 games in, you got 12 games to go. Preseason, Jordan Brown was named the Sunbelt player of the year for for the preseason. Uh if the season ended today, does he get that award in your opinion? Uh, man, I don't know. Tavion Kinsey um from Marshall just got named the player of the week for the third time this year. This is a point guard that's averaging 23 and about five assists per game. Uh, He's an outstanding basketball player. It's going to come down to those two, I think. Uh, And the the one that can continue to put up great numbers over the final 10 games is the one that's going to win it. Um, You know, obviously, if I could vote for my own guy, I would. Uh, But... I can't guarantee you he's going to win that award because the Kinsey kids haven't having himself a hell of a year. Now you know, looking ahead, we're we're a couple weeks away from baseball and and softball. You know, first of all, I, I know you're a baseball guy, so how excited are you for the season? And second of all, you know, where should the expectation be for both of these programs? Well, you know, I think first of all. <laughs> 
somebody, uh, Amy Jones, who worked at TV three years ago uh, and is a successful businesswoman in the area, when she was working at TV three, she she walked and she said, "I can see the back of your head smiling. It must be baseball season." And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited about baseball season. Now, what should the expectations be? Well, you know, you expect your team to challenge for a championship every year. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to win one every year because the Sunbelt Conference baseball is uh, is a very, very good baseball league. And uh, But your goal is to win a championship. Your goal is to get into an NCAA regional, and I think that's the expectation for this team every year. Is that going to happen every year? No. No, it's not. Uh, but that that should be the goal, at least. As far as softball is concerned, you know, the D1 came out with their, their preseason poll, and if you want to know how uh, tested the Cajuns are going to get early in the season, all you got to do is look at their schedule and then look at, uh, at the teams that are in the top 25. You know, the Cajuns are going to play three of the top five teams in the country early in that tournament in uh, Clearwater, Florida. You know, once again, you know, your, your expectation is to win the league every year. Your goal is to continue to play once the regionals are over. And the Cajuns, if they're able to navigate that schedule, and, and they don't have to go out and beat anybody, every, uh, everybody, but if they're competitive and they win their share of those games and then take care of their business in the Sun Belt Conference, this is a team that could host a regional this year. But it all starts with being able to beat some of those heavyweights that you're going to play early in the season. Jay, as we start to wrap up, you know there was a there was a story that came out last week, February fourth, when the Cajuns host Marshall inside the Cajun Dome. The Cajun Chicken is going to return for the first time in in, in twenty plus years. What are what are your thoughts on this? How excited how excited of a move is this for for the athletic department? Knowing that the fans and, and the chicken have such a a close relationship, I I, I just think it's huge. You know, it, it's you know people are already saying, well, you know, we ought to have them all the time. No, you shouldn't have them all the time because it ceases being special. You know, if you can do this, and I don't know how long Russell's going to be able to do it. I mean, Russell qualifies for Medicare. Okay, um, but it's if you could do this once a year for as long as Russell can physically do it, I think that would be kind of cool. Um, I, um, you know, if if the Cajuns continue to win, all right. Now they you've got to play five games. I'm sorry, yes, five games before Marshall comes to town on February fourth. Take care of your business there. Bring the chicken out, and, and you'll be talking about the biggest crowd uh, maybe since Bob Marlin's first year when when Western Kentucky would come to town, and they'd and they'd have you know crowds in excess of eight thousand. Um, it, it could be about like that. Now you can't go out and lay an egg over the next five games, but if you go and take care of your business and continue to win, that combined with the chicken, whew, that could that could be a really really nice evening at the Cajun Dome. Jay Walker, appreciate you as always. Uh, safe travels this weekend, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Look forward to it. Thanks so much. Go Cajuns.
Tune in next week for another edition of Cajun's Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. Where do you think Lamar Jackson is going to play in 2023? Do you think it's the Ravens? Maybe the Jets? Who knows? Could be the Saints or is it somebody else? Right now, Ravens are heavily leading 57% of the votes. The Jets at 21%. Saints have a little 7.1%. And then the other 14 are going to other. Looking at a couple of comments. John Paul says, I think another important question is, how many draft picks will the 49ers get for their two backup quarterbacks? Ton says, he'll stay put. Ravens would be, in all caps, stupid to let him go. And then Darren, he said, don't think the Jets would, but he should be the destination. You know, top five defense, young weapons, lots of cap space, and they don't have to change too much because they basically want to run the ball. He then further commented on it saying that the same could be said for Brady and the plus for Brady is he would get to go against the Pats twice a year. That'd be pretty fitting. I don't know. I mean, and we've we've always talked about how a lot of people like to diminish each one of Brady's rings. It was like, well, it was because of this. Well, it was because of that. This has happened. So it's like, that's the reason why he got the ring. It wasn't because of Tom. So a lot, a lot of people are always saying, We'll go to the Jets and win a Super Bowl, and then we'll be really impressed. Yeah. And it'd be like, okay, well, due to 46, what if he does actually make a legit run? I don't think that'd be that'd be interesting. I don't think the Jets are ready to make a legit run at the Super Bowl. I don't I don't think that I I think they need more than than just a quarterback to uh get that done. And that's still where we differ because you don't believe in in their weapons, even though I I look at them, they're young and they're talented. I believe in some of them. I think they have some nice weapons, but as a collective group, I, I don't. I don't think that their receiver core is that special. I mean, could you always improve on it? Sure, but I think it's it's a overall. I I think it's better. I mean, there was. I think it's. I, I think the the weapons overall. If you can get Brees Hall back to where he was before he tore his ACL, yeah, that is, I, that I, is a very scary offense. That is that is a lot better than most offenses. I really like Brees Hall. I think he's a great piece for the Jets. Having Michael Carter be a nice kind of second punch. I'm, I'm not a fan of the Jets receiving core. I'm not. And I'm and I'm if you if you could get another one, that'd be great. But I think it's it's already if I had to rate it out of ten, I'd probably put it at a seven and a half. Seven and a half, seven point seven five. Like I, I think it's a pretty good core because Garrett Wilson, on the same level as Chris Olave, Elijah Moore just to me needs a better receiver. I mean, needs a better quarterback. And Corey Davis, he's I right, but I think if you can get a better number two, be a whole lot better. I think we learned this year that if we have a rookie as your number one, kind of have a problem. Yeah, but so. with them being a rookie, once you get further years, they get more used to having to be in that role, and then they they're able to develop more and actually be that legit. That's that's usually how a lot of time goes, or you have them be pretty successful, but like be like the second option. Yep. It'll be interesting to see what what happens next for for both Brady and Rodgers because, again, they have a plethora of options. Lamar Jackson as well. 
do the Raven do the Ravens kind of force their hand and stick a franchise tag on him? I don't think that would be a smart move because I mean if you force a guy to stay with a team, that's never worked out well. Uh, so I, I don't know if that's the move that they want to go with. But, you know, obviously there's time and money to, to sort out and figure out what could be done. Who knows? The, the Ravens might finally offer him the contract that he wants. But going kind of going back to, to John's comment, I mean, you can't really trade Jimmy Garoppolo. He's no. a free agent after this year. You can try and trade Trey. You can try I, and trade think, Trey Lance. I, I think but you get a first for Trey. It'll be interesting. I, I, think you get I, don't know if, I don't know if you want to give up on him just yet. I think you keep him as your third string and then bring in a vet. I think that's what you should do. That's fair. That's fair. Real quick, before we end hour number one, Marshall defensive coordinator Lance Guidry has agreed to become Tulane's new defensive coordinator. Guidry is a Louisiana native, played at McNeese, and was also the head coach at Karen Crow at one point. Uh, so Lance Guidry returning to the state of Louisiana. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, we're going to talk Arizona Cardinals and their fit with Sean Payton and much more right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. In hour number one, we talked Raging Cajuns, heard from head coach Bob Marlin. We talked with Jay Walker, and we recapped the Niners and the Niners, the Cowboys and Bucks Monday night game last night, where the Dallas Cowboys were victorious. 31 to 14. And now, you know, you you look towards the wild the divisional round this weekend, which is going to be wild. You have the Bills and the Bengals. A rematch from the the night that the DeMar Hamlin injury happened. You have the Chiefs and the Jags. The Chiefs are, you know, the the dominant force not only in the AFC but probably in the NFL against uh, a young Jags team that made a lot of noise in the wild card. And then on the NFC side, you have the Giants and the Eagles in a division matchup in the divisional round. And then you've got the the Niners and the Cowboys. It's going to be a great weekend of NFL football yet again. Looking at some top stories, speaking of the games this weekend, Jalen Hurts, for the first time in weeks was left off the injury report for the Philadelphia Eagles, which is a a, a good sign for the top seed in the NFC. Uh, But it was well known that, obviously, you know, he was playing through that sprain-throwing shoulder. Jalen Hurts was asked today about the possibility of maybe his future opponents, including the New York Giants, maybe targeting that shoulder. His response was, it's football. I've got a bounty on me every week I go out there on the field. So I'm going to go out there and just play my game, and whatever happens, happens. James, your thoughts? I mean, it's fair. He's played at MVP level all year. I mean, 
Of course he's going to be a weapon. Of course he's going to be some somebody that players are going to be targeting to try and not necessarily have a bounty on per se like maybe we had heard from in the past, but he's definitely going to be keyed on all game. You know, you, you look at this matchup between the Giants and the Eagles and it and it's in, it's a very entertaining one because the Giants have just shown so much promise this season, especially when they started you know, five and one or, or, or six and one or whatever it was. And, you know, Brian Dable, first year head coach, finally unlocking what we believe is the full potential of Daniel Jones. Love me some Danny Cornhole. Uh, Saquon Barkley being fully healthy and playing like it. A, a, a great showing from the defense, including the rookie in Kayvon Thibodeau. Dexter Lawrence really stepping Dexter up on Lawrence. the interior. You've, you've got a lot of positives if you're the Giants, and now you know you, you have to feel like you can win this game. Because, yeah, the Eagles are, are the, they have the best record in the NFL and they're the top seed in the NFC. But James, this is going to be the third time that they've played. You can't have more tape on a team than that. You have to know what the Eagles are going to do backwards and forwards but then on the other hand of that the eagles also know what you're going to do correct they they know you're going to try and get saquon pretty heavily involved you know that daniel jones he's going to be somebody that is going to get his legs going try to make some plays on it with his feet you've seen the emergence of darius slayton become like the big play guy more often in this offense but isaiah hodgins isaiah hodgins became a big he in did. that Vikings game. He did. And, you know, you, you look at the two times that they played each other before. It was a 48-22 to Philly victory and then a 22-16 to victory uh, with, with a New York team that was resting a lot of its starters. So you, you kind of take the second matchup with a grain of salt because it wasn't the, the full Giants roster. But, James, do you feel like the Eagles could maybe repeat that 48-22 to Victory, or, or is this an improved Giants team from just four weeks ago? No, I think this Giants team is kind of more confident. Because initially they started off 5-1, and one, but then you look at the middle of the season. Yeah, they kind of fell off a little they bit. They kind of fell off a little bit. They lost three out of four, and then one of them was a tie. They lost that close one to the Vikings near the end yep. of the season. That one hurt, but they were able to get their revenge there. I think this one's going to be more like what we saw, kind of, I, kind of more margin-wise. In that final week, yeah. where it was 22-16. I think we're going to see more of that, where it's a lot closer of a game, instead of where Eagles come out to a quick 21-0 lead in New, in the in the Meadowlands. I don't, I don't think we necessarily see that. I think this one's going to be a lot closer throughout. Looking at some more top stories throughout the world of sports, the Los Angeles Chargers have fired offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi after their collapse in the playoffs. So, obviously, a change was going to be made by the Chargers. You just weren't quite sure where they were going to go. And then yesterday or Sunday, the Chargers had released a statement saying that Brandon Staley would return as head coach. And when that happened, your focus on the change that was going to be made unfortunately shifted to Joe Lombardi. And their QB slash passing and, game guy. And their QB coach. So, I'm not surprised by this move. 
Uh, I am intrigued to see what the Chargers will do to fill that role. Um, there, there are plenty of young, qualified coaches that that could that could fill that role, especially with a guy like Justin Herbert. Uh, one thing to note, though, we're talking about Sean Payton, and we we have been a lot, and we're going to continue until it's announced where he's he's going to be coaching. But it's it's interesting to note that two former coordinators that Sean worked with during his time in both Dallas and New Orleans have interviewed for the defensive coordinator position in Carolina. Now, that could mean absolutely nothing. But it is something interesting. Or that could mean a hell of a lot. Because first interview that was done for Sean Payton was the Texans last night. Correct. But he's got a couple of others coming up soon in the Broncos and the Panthers. And then he's interviewing with Carolina on Friday. So the fact that Carolina is one of the first three says a lot. Also, the fact that Arizona wasn't in that first three also says, says a lot. even more. That, that, that says a whole lot. Um, personally, I think that the Texans is the best fit for everyone. Everyone involved. Sean Payton, the Houston Texans, the New Orleans Saints. I think Houston just makes the most sense. Sean would have the opportunity to build the team the way he wants it. You already have great young pieces in Damian Pierce. You have Laramie Tunzel. You've got John Mechie coming back at receiver. There's a lot to play with. You're going to have to clean up that defense, but you have the number two overall pick, so you could either A, clean up defense there, or B, draft your quarterback. I don't think Sean's going to do that. Um, I, I don't think Sean's a fan of drafting quarterbacks. You saw it in New Orleans. Unless it's a potential absolute generational talent. Right. That um, he really saw. That I mean, I think if, we. I think there's some good quarterbacks in this draft for sure. But if he just gawks over Bryce Young and is like, he can be a franchise guy. Or C.J. Stroud. I mean, maybe. Or, or Will Levis, whoever. Do not be surprised. We were talking about this off the air earlier. Do not be surprised if Sean Payton goes to Houston. Mm -hmm. The the Texans trade number 12 to the Saints, which would be more than enough. You'd probably get the 12 and then a second. You'd probably get a first and a second or maybe a first and a third. You'd probably get more of a mid-round as well. Uh, which Which would be good. Because that's because that's what most people wanted. Most people wanted a, a first and a third. If, if, if first you, and a fourth. If you give the twelfth pick, I'll be okay with a with a third. If it's a late if it's a late first, I would like a mid to late second as well. But you know, splitting hairs at this point. Don't be surprised if with that number two pick, he goes gets Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, somebody to be the anchor of the defense. You call Lamar Jackson, say, Lamar, look, we've got money, I've got a plan, I'm an offensive genius, what do you say? I mean, would Lamar say no? 
I mean, it looks a little bleak right now, but... With all these changes if, I would be making. If anybody is good at selling somebody on the big picture, it's Sean Payton. Sell Lamar on the big picture, bring him in, you trade Brandon Cooks for a fourth rounder, you sign Odell, who's healthy, ready to play. Who knows? Maybe you get Gronk to come out of retirement. I don't think that's a good idea, but people are talking about it. So, maybe. The Texans could be sneaky good. Counter to yours. Okay. Same thing. Sean gets traded to Houston. You bring in Odell. Mm Mm-hmm. You you trade the the twelve mm-hmm. and whatever pick same thing, however, change the QBs. You get Stella Tom. Lamar, you get Tom. So Ugh. the you find you finally get to coach and play for one another. But then but then you have to draft with somebody for the future, or, or you have to have some plan in place because Tom's if Tom comes back next year, next year's his last year. Go get Hendon Hooker in the second. He's done. We we have to agree on that, right? If Tom comes back, he comes back for one more year. More likely than not. So if you if you sign, which is which is fine, but you have to sit down with your general manager and your owner and be like, look, we're gonna get Tom Brady, but we've only got him for a year. What's our plan after that? Then you'll then in the second or third round, you go you go get somebody else. Go get Hendon Hooker. Go get go, Stetson Bennett. Go get Anthony Richardson, who oh, I think is God. gonna fall. Oh Jesus! I just I I don't believe in the kid. I just don't. I didn't. I, I really haven't seen much out of him from Florida either. I just don't. Um, that first game against Utah, he made a couple of flashy plays, and everybody was like, "Oh, Anthony Richardson's top prospect." And then as the season went on, he just decreased and but decreased you, and decreased. But you talk. You talked about Gronk. Gronk's only going to come out if he plays to, with Brady to play with Brady. That's so that's fair. so that's how you get him. That's you, fair. You get an upgrade at the tight end position because you look at their tight ends. I love Brevin Jordan personally myself but look at him right now he's not somebody that you want as your number one tight end. I love Brevin Jordan OJ Howard he's just never been somebody that's really panned out so he's kind of washed at this point and then you got Tegan I'm just going to go with Q it's kind of hard for me to read it at the moment uh, and then Jordan Akins so yep. it's like your tight end position could really it's, use some help it's weak it's weak so you getting a, getting a quick band-aid fix and then kind of drafting someone else or having Gronk have Brevin be under the tutelage and you help him grow there. Yeah. That could help that way by the time we get to year three or four for Brevin, he's actually a legit tight end. But you see, this whole conversation goes back to one central point. It's such a fantasy land. Houston makes sense. It affects New Orleans in no way whatsoever. Other than It's opposite conference. Other than the fact that you might play them once a year every three years. It's a solid sports town. You see him in the Super Bowl, maybe if they if Sean Payton can bring them there. It's a it's a weird new rule where you'll get a AFC team as your seventeenth game. Correct. And then here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Since it's a completely different conference, very little affiliation. Chances of playing them are slim. Yeah, you won't see them often, like you would twice a year with the Panthers. They could be your second team. They're close by. You could become a Texans fan, and it's not going to hurt anybody. You're an in-the-closet Texas fan. I, I mean, why not? Why not be one? 
especially as Sean Payton goes, why not be one? I mean, especially if you're in Lake Charles, because it's it might be closer to drive to Houston than it is to drive to New Orleans. It's only like a, what, 80-minute drive at that point? I think from Lake Charles, it's right at two hours, two and a half hours. Oh, two? Okay. So, I mean... I thought it would have been more like a maybe a 90-minute, but... It yeah. would... It, 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 I mean, it's that's... Close. A, it's, it's, yeah. it's closer. It, it's closer than going to New Orleans. Yeah. So, I mean, why not be a Houston Texans fan? God, could you imagine Lamar and Odell and Sean Payton's offense? And and that's what people have talked oh. about. That's what people have talked about for years is I want to see Odell go to New England, play with Tom Brady, like how we had seen before because such an explosive weapon for Tom, like how Randy Moss was. Odell still got Nasty. some... Odell still got some juice even with all these injuries. And then people people aren't talking about John Mechie because you haven't seen him in the league yet. Dude. John's pretty good. John Mechie's good. We, we we talk about Devontae Smith. We talk about Jalen Waddle. And you're gonna and you're gonna trade Brandon Cooks because yep. he, he wants out. Yep. It like you're bound to plus Sean Payton and Brandon you, Cooks. You, we we know what happened last time. You salvage that relationship somewhat by by giving him what he wants. He wants out, trade him. And I, I think you'd get a mid to late third or, I think, or a I fourth think rounder. Could. I think you so could. So then that helps and you can go get another piece either on the defense or build to the receiving room. Michael Thomas. Ooh. Michael Thomas. Are Mike, are Mike and Sean homies again? I mean, I don't know. Are they? Maybe. It's interesting to think about. Mike's Mike's your new Mike uh, Mike Evans. Oh, yikes! But younger and better. Freaky. Tune in tomorrow night as the LSU men's basketball team tries to get back on track when it hosts Auburn at the PMAC in SEC action. Pre-game begins at 5.30 and tip is set for 6. You can listen to all the action right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're playing all in or all out next right here on Crunch Time. You're listening to the game. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So we're looking at the NFL playoffs, and we're going to get to our all-in or all-out segment here in a moment. The we're looking at the quarterbacks that have are playing in the playoffs and their ages, if you will. When you break down the quarterbacks in this divisional round, Dak Prescott is by far the oldest. At 29. 29. The oldest quarterback in the divisional round. Everyone else is 25 and younger, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, four of them are 25 and younger. Four of the eight. Who's t- who's 26? Joe Burrow is 26. Oh. Josh Allen is 26. Oh, yeah. Patrick Mahomes is 27. Hmm. And then Dak is 29. Daniel Jones is 25. Jalen Hurts is 24. And then Brock Purdy and Trevor Lawrence are each 23. Man, that is wild. There are four NFL quarterbacks playing in the divisional round that are my age or younger. My age or younger. Think about that. 
Think about immature old me leading an NFL football team. Now, I, I say I'm immature. I'm, I'm really not. But I, I, it just blows my mind these days how young guys are. Like When Zion got into the NBA, kid was 19. 19 years old. He's probably only 22 now. And that is wild to think about that guys are 20, 21 being stat leaders in the NBA or in any sport. I'm about three months older than Zion. God, that's... That is wild. Anyways, let's play all in or all out. Basically how this game works is I'm going to throw a topic out there and James is going to say whether he is all the way in on said topic or all the way out on said topic. And if I disagree, I'll present a rebuttal. But if I agree with him, I'll state that I agree and we move on. So, number one, James, the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in the NFL playoffs. Are you all in or are you all out? Mahomes makes it so much better, but if we if you had a different quarterback, they for sure would not be as effective. I'm going to have to give the best overall team to the 49ers. Yeah. Cuz like imagine if you had, if you put like imagine you switch Purdy in the Chiefs and then Mahomes on on the 49ers. Could you imagine Mahomes with those weapons? They'd put up 40 a game. The Niners would be 19 and 0. They'd, They'd put up 40 a game. So to me the only like kind of slight deficiency you would probably give to the 49ers is maybe the interior of the offensive line and then the quarterback. But the quarterback is obviously he's playing been, he's playing well. He's playing well with so little experience. So I'd probably say the best overall team is the 49ers. All right. What about the Dallas Cowboys? You know, looking at the Cowboys, Brett Mayer missed four PATs last night. Mm-hmm. Do they have a new kicker? This Sunday when they play the Niners? I don't know who would be out there. That I don't know who's out there in free agency market that you can go get that would be that much better. Because, like, to me, this that's just an anomaly game. And we t- you talked about earlier how he had the audacity to still go out there. To me, that shows that his, his, off, his, his confidence is still not shattered. He's still willing to go out there and, and, and prove himself that he can kick, kick it through the uprights. So, to me, no, they don't have a new kicker on Sunday. I I don't wholeheartedly disagree just because I don't I don't know that if they would be able to like you said find a, a free agent at this point if they could though I think they would make the change. Um now another one that that's interesting that it's even been a conversation the owner of the Bengals said today that he would like to keep Joe Burrow in Cincinnati long term. I thought that was understood. Um, James, are you all in or all out? The Burroughs stays in Cincy. Yes, easily. I am. If if anything, I'm more than 100% sure. I'm, I'm a million percent sure that he's going to stay in Cincinnati. He's going to be one of those guys that you lock up long term. Same thing with the charge. you got to make sure that you don't let him go. you got to make sure that you keep Justin Herbert. I, I think... It's obvious that he stays in Cincy long term. Correct. 
But what I am interested to see, though, is when his contract does end, does he test the market? Does he take his time and see what's out there before re-signing with the Bengals? Or is he just quick to, you know, we've had a lot of success here, so whenever the Bengals offer me an extension, I'm just going to take it. I don't think he really flirts with the, uh, any other team. This is the team that he grew up watching, and and I mean, how, how could you how could you do that to your hometown team that drafted you number one overall? I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Sean Payton, are you all in or all out that he is the head coach of the Houston Texans in September? I love the idea that we have for it. I really believe that it's a good possibility. I think Houston is the number two team on the list. I think it's it's like a one A one B situation between them and the Broncos. But I think Broncos maybe be are a little bit more of a desirable destination. It really all just kind of depends. Do you kind of want to just start over and kind of build it up in your own image, Sean? Or do you kind of just want to go where there's a place where there's already a lot of good pieces and then you just kind of have to make little tinkers here and there of your own little of your own little pizzazz and sparkle it in there? My thing with the with the Broncos, and yes, they have great pieces at a ton at a ton of different positions. My thing is, though, Russ is 34. Say he plays say he plays four more years. I was thinking four or five, maybe say, six. Say he plays four more years. And I know four years is a lot of time to find a new QB. To find a new QB. But the point is, is that there's going to be some sort of rebuild, right, when you, when you have to find a new quarterback. Wouldn't you already want to try and get ahead of that? By just starting kind of from the ground level? Four years is so far down the line, though. That's the thing. You don't really have to really look at that necessarily to like a year down the line. That's to me when you should. Two, if you really want to get to that. But worrying about that three, four, five, six years before it happens is like you're looking too far into the future. Like we saw what happens as soon as Nathaniel Hackett was gone. The the Broncos offense actually looked good. Yep. They they it's got true. it down to the wire with the Chiefs, who were still playing for something because it's like if they lost and the Bills won, it's like, well, now the Bills have the one seed. So right. so to me, I would probably have to say, even though I think it's a it is a very real possibility, that's why it was the first option for or the first scheduled meeting and interview for Sean Payton, I still lean towards the Broncos. All right, I got a basketball one for you. Your Boston Celtics win the Eastern Conference again. Are you all in or all out? That's so tough because it took a lot to bounce in the Celtics' way for them to make it to the finals. It took a Middleton not being there that whole series. It took Jimmy Butler to miss a shot for once in his life on the final play in Game 7. Like It, it took a lot, but... I still lean towards the Celtics to win it. I'm going to go all in on this one because they got the experience that they needed. They don't have Ime Odoka right now, and I don't, I don't think he's going to be back after that. But I really like what Joe Mazzulla has done. They haven't missed a beat. In anything, If anything, to me, they've gotten a lot better. There have been times where they've had hiccups against some pretty good teams. But I think once you get to the playoffs, that's whenever you're going to see the Celtics squad really turn it on, and I think they make it back. And then lastly, the Saints move on 
from offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael this offseason? Are you all in or all out? Yeah, they need to. Um, uh, it it kind of feels like you are worried that you did see a little bit of improvement. Same thing from Dennis Allen. Now they're going to keep him. You do worry about that because, like, look, still didn't produce a lot of offense, but you did see the yards get put up more. But uh, I'm going to go all in because, to me, the offense was just so bad. And it's like the reason why they were in any of these games was because of the defense. I'm going to go all out. As much as I would like to see it happen, moves like this when they've been dead set, like we're moving on, it would have happened by now. So I'm a little concerned that since it hasn't happened yet, that they might be leaning towards keeping him. Or remember, they said they're not really going to start doing meetings to worry about the future until like starting today or tomorrow. Right, and and that's fine, but that's also, you know, technical speak in in my opinion. I think they just are, are saying that to kind of give people the sense that they're going to look into it. And and I'm not saying that they won't because they will. But do you really foresee after Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis and Gail Benson having a meeting with Pete Carmichael that they're just going to move on? It's difficult because they they really like to hold on to guys. I just I think I think maybe with Carmichael, if if he does stay, but the four but the Saints if they go under five hundred again, that's when you see a big change overall in the coaching staff. They're they're gonna have to do something because the offense just wasn't where it needed to be. Here in 2022. Let's take a time out when we return. Alex Clancy, he hosts the Locked On Cardinals podcast. He's going to join us. We're going to talk about the fallout of the Cardinals, why Cliff Kingsbury went on a one way ticket to Thailand, and does Sean Payton still have a chance to go out to the desert? We'll do that next right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 5.39 here on your Tuesday. Back here on Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. 337-706-0111, Alex Clancy, who hosts the Locked On Cardinals podcast, joins us on the game hotline to talk all things Cardinals and and whether or not Sean Payton still has a chance to go to Arizona. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So, you know, looking at the the Cardinals season, uh, 4-13, and obviously, you know, Kyler Murray went down with the ACL injury late in the season. You moved on from Cliff Kingsbury. You just hired a, a new general manager. So that's where I'm going to start. What are your What are your thoughts on, on the new hire for the general manager with Monty Osenfort coming in? Yeah, there is a um, an inherent positive to that. It's that it's not in the Arizona Cardinals organization, which is one thing that Michael Bidwell has been uh, 
you know, pretty potent with regarding his hiring and uh, promoting. He promoted from within a lot. Um, the fact that Steve Kimen been with the organization for 25 years, I think, um, them going outside of the organization, getting somebody who's been a part of Super Bowl winning organizations like Monty Austin for when he was with New England for a handful of years, I think um, is a massive testament to Michael Bidwell as an owner growing and understanding that what he's done over the last decade or so uh, isn't the right way to go about things. And then, you know, moving on from Cliff Kingsbury after another poor performance with the Cardinals, you know, where do you think things kind of went wrong with Cliff and the Cardinals? Because, you know, there, there was a period where the consensus was that he was doing a nice job in, in Arizona and then things just kind of fell apart. Yeah, you know, in 2019, he was given the the pass like he should have rookie quarterback coming off a three and thirteen historically terrible offensive season for the Cardinals. Uh, 2020, they started I think five and three. They had the hail mary at the end to beat the Bills, and then they kind of you know dissipated. Well, you know it's the second year, everything's fine. They're really starting to get their uh, get their sea legs, and then you know two years ago was the seven and zero, ten and two season. That's what you're talking about. But what I was seeing during that 7-0 stretch early on was bad penalties, bad timeouts, and bad play calling for a large portion of the time. So, yes, the wins were great, but the same issues were still in play. One thing that I said about Cliff pretty much during his tenure was Cliff Kingsbury could put together a great movie trailer, but the movie isn't always that good. When it came to play calling, came to decision-making, so the peaks were great, they were sexy, it was fun. But all in all, he just he wasn't fit, in my opinion, to be the head coach to begin with. And this past year wasn't the real reason why he was fired. I think it was a lifetime achievement. So, you know, you talked about moving on from Cliff Kingsbury, and they moved on from him 10 months after he signed an extension through 2027. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, obviously you follow the Cardinals more than we do. So tell us, you know, what's kind of the game plan from here, like how much of that contract do they owe Cliff Kingsbury? You know, it's it's still kind of up in the air. Uh, they've they kept it they kept it pretty pretty matted. Where we didn't we don't really know how much he was given, but if it was all guaranteed, like like coaching contracts are, I'm not sure exactly what the verbiage was. But let's just say that his trip to Thailand was probably funded by some of Michael Bidwell's money. I mean, I guess we can at least say that. Now, how how wild is that? Because you, you've seen coaches, obviously with Sean Payton, you've seen coaches step away from the game, take a year off to you know reassess where they're at, what they want, all, all of that. I don't think I have ever heard of a coach buying a one-way ticket to a <laughs> foreign land and then telling NFL teams that he does not want to hear from them. Oh, what a sweetheart Cliff is, isn't he? I mean, the thing that sucks is, like, he's a nice guy. I've interviewed him. He's bio- He's a nice guy, and players like him. He just – it's. It, I mean, he was a, a, a D-plus pre-calculus student that got bumped up to AP Calc. You know, it just it, – it wasn't ever really – even though they had some good success, I feel like this is just him cleansing, him taking a little time. I mean, the playoffs are still going on for this season. There's going to be plenty of time for him to come back revamped. I think this took a huge mental toll on him this year. I mean, it was just, it was brutal. Injuries, sure, but just all in all. Like, he, he seasoned, he aged four years like he was the president of the United States. 
if you saw him from his from his first year to now, it's been it's been a tough go, especially the last eighteen months or so. But I think he'll be back, and I think he'll take a job this this season upcoming. I would assume. Chatting with Alex Clancy, host of the Locked On Cardinals. You know, talking about Sean Payton, he's obviously going through interviews right now. He he chatted with the Texans last night. He met with the Broncos today, and he's scheduled to meet with. Carolina on Friday. What what have you heard? What's the latest about the Cardinals? Are they still making a push for Sean Payton? Where do they stand? I mean, they did request an interview uh, for next week and or for this week. If you do this week or next week, and in the thing that's always come, it's always come down with Sean Payton is how much control he's going to have. You know, Andy Payton got the key to the castle at Kansas City. Michael Bidwell ain't given Sean Payton the key to the castle. They just hired a GM, obviously with a huge scouting and player personnel background. So if, you know, if Sean Payton wants autonomy, I don't think Arizona is going to be the place. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what he's searching for right now, but what we do know is that this offense with its raw parts can be a lot more special than it than it has been. And then you have the obvious dictionary definition of why Sean Payton would be good in Arizona is because he's already taken a 6-foot quarterback to heights that maybe people didn't necessarily see when he was quarterbacking in, in, in San Diego before coming over to New Orleans. That's like the dictionary definition of why Sean Payton would fit. The only thing that I'm wondering about Sean Payton is, does he see Arizona, does he see the golf, does he see the lifestyle as being too much of a part of the elixir for him to want to coach the Arizona Cardinals, or does he really want to take another perennially losing franchise like the Saints were for the most part, before he took over to new heights. If it's the latter, he'd be a great fit. If it's the former, that's something that I think the Cardinals should just be be cautious of. So outside of Sean Payton, who do you think, you know, your new GM obviously just came in the other day, but who are some names that you would like to see the Cardinals uh, attack as head coach? My number one has been D'Amico Ryans and continues to be. Because the Cardinals' defense, especially with Kyler Murray being on the shelf, we, we think for a handful of games to start 2023, needs to be more of an anchor than they were last year. They weren't built to be last year. They focused a lot on the offense during the offseason, which kind of put the defense uh, with the short end of the stick. But I think just seeing D'Amico Ryan's on the sideline, okay, he's a leader. He's a head coach. You can just see, you know, you can just see guys that are like, oh, yeah, that's a head coach. He just isn't one yet. And also, he played in this day and age of the NFL. He played until 2015. So he knows this new NFL from a defensive standpoint. You bring him in, you bring an OC in, and you're off and running. But um, Brian Flores has been a name because he has ties to New England as well. He interviewed very well. Um, he shot up the odds boards. If they were to hire Brian Flores, I wouldn't be upset about that either. I just, you know, Sean Payton seems to be the best fit, but I think – D'Amico Ryans can add another element to this organization that hasn't really been seen yet. It's just to be feared. Like that, the San Francisco 49ers defense is one of the more fearful sides of the football on either side that I've seen in a long time. And I think the Cardinals could use some infusion of that. No doubt. You know, and looking at the, the Sean Payton stuff once again, you, you said that you think that he's the best fit. Let's say hypothetically, Sean Payton does decide to go, that, that he wants to coach in, in Arizona. If you're the Cardinals, the, the the Saints obviously want, you know, draft capital in, in exchange for Sean Payton. What do you think the Cardinals are willing to give up? Um, what I like, what I would gauge is first of all, 
ain't no way they're giving up the first-round pick this year. So if anybody, if New Orleans thinks that that's going to happen, that would immediately take the Cardinals out of the race, I would think. Um, I would gauge a second this year and a first next year. I think that's plenty. I think that would be plenty for Sean Payton because you'd think that if Kyler Murray misses the first half of the season or so, you know, at most, maybe they're a team's pick next year, which is plenty, and they'll get pretty much a first-round pick this year being so high up uh, in the second round. I think that'd be more than enough, personally. I don't know what the Saints are going to want if they want to not have a rebuild year this year and have a chance at a, at a quarterback this year or move up with the picks they have and package whoever gets Sean Payton's pick up. It, that will remove the Cardinals, in my humblest of opinions, from the Sean Payton sweepstakes. So what we have heard is, is that they are telling teams that they are requesting a, a mid-to-late first-round pick in 2023. Yeah, well, then that's going to remove – unless the only thing that – which is kind of – the mind screw that's been going on right now is that DeAndre Hopkins – people have undervalued DeAndre Hopkins. I, I can't understand it. So, yes, he had the PD suspension to start. He missed the, the end of the season this season like everybody else did when you know they were sitting all their starters. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, in my opinion, could garner a late to first round a late first round pick and should, especially if it's a contender. Like Kansas City would happily overpay by what thirty spots in the draft to get DeAndre Hopkins, something like that, and that would be what the Saints were looking for. And you would just shift that over, you move that over to the side of the table for the Saints, and the Cardinals would get. Sean Payton, but if I'm Sean Payton, why would I not want DeAndre Hopkins on my team? So that's kind of the that's kind of the catch twenty two. I know that he's going to need an extension. He's thirty one, but I pound for pound, I still think he's a top twelve receiver in the league when healthy. And I, I don't understand why people don't all share the same uh, in unison with that. Alex Clancy, the host of Locked On Cardinals, joining us here on the game hotline. Alex, appreciate your time. Great insight into the Cardinals and their their stance in the Sean Payton sweepstakes. And uh, hopefully we can talk to you again soon. Perfect. Thanks for having me. And there he goes, Alex Clancy, host of Locked On Cardinals. We'll take a timeout and wrap up today's show right after this here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back for the final time of this Tuesday edition of Crunch Time. Do want to remind you that the NFL playoffs are heating up and with FanDuel every play is a rush new customers can join today and you can bet the divisional round with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet just sign up with promo code KLWB with $150 you know I take Travis Kelsey to score an anytime touchdown America's number one sportsbook has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props plus with FanDuel you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with this same game parlay all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. 
Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Looking at the final poll results of the day, where do you think Lamar Jackson will play? Ravens, Jets, Saints, somewhere else? Right now, it's still leaning towards about 58% towards Baltimore. 18% goes to the Jets. There's 15% for other. And then the final 9% goes to the black and gold. Interesting. We'll th- we'll talk about it more tomorrow, you know, kind of see what things develop o- overnight tonight because, you know, w- with Sean Payton's interview with the Broncos, if it went incredibly well, he may not have any more. Still, still remains to be seen. Also, now it's today, LSU baseball, number one in the country in the preseason polls. Uh, for James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Thanks to Jay Walker and Alex Clancy. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same station, right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.